0: Welcome everyone to our latest edition of BAM's Radio as we are going to break down scrimmage number two for the University of Alabama as Nick Saban is just inching closer and closer to his 16th season in Tuscaloosa. He will have, uh, of course, a day next week and we'll be back with you on Sunday to talk about that. But a lot of intel coming from the scrimmage uh, and a lot of good stuff. You know, you know of course, there's always. Uh, some concerning, uh, you know, areas with this t- uh, with Alabama football, there is with every uh, football program in the United States. Now, Alabama's a lot uh, less than most, uh, but we'll certainly break all that down. And of course, I'm your co-host, Rudy Garman, along with my two great cohorts. Wouldn't be here without them. And it's, of course, Thomas the Wizard Watts and the Port City of Mobile with his analysis, his numbers crunching and keeping us on the air, as he always does you know, week in and week out. And then William Redfish Barger from 89 to 93, a big part of Alabama football and a 1992 national champion, keeps his, you know, ear close to the ground. And we're going to talk about that scrimmage coming up. We'll also, you know, talk a little uh, uh, Alabama basketball. They got a huge addition via the transfer portal this week. And even a little, maybe a little baseball and softball uh, as those weekend series are winding down Alabama Uh, getting a huge sweep in baseball against the Ole Miss rebels uh, to be seven and five. Never would have thought I would have seen that this Alabama team being seven and five uh, after four weeks in baseball in the sec with uh, some of the uh, midweek losses and the slow start they got off to, but great job by Brad and the coaching staff and the young men. But again, the big focus is on the scrimmage and a lot coming out and, Uh, The concern, I guess, to start would be the offensive line. But if you've paid attention to what we said last week and since we restarted our new season of BAMs, you shouldn't be surprised. It's the biggest area of concern and specifically the offensive tackle position. Last week, uh, the University of Alabama had Amari Kite at left tackle, the majority from what I hear with the ones. Uh, This week, it was Kendall Randolph, uh, who, of course, is a sixth year senior from Bob Jones High School. Here in my area, I've known him since he was a young player uh, under Kevin Rose with the Patriots. But, uh, and then uh, Amari Kite did see some action with the twos at left tackle. And then he slid inside with the ones at left guard uh, after they did, they got a long look at J.A.B. and Cohen. But we're going to talk about all that uh, now with uh, Thomas and William. William, uh, of course, you played the position at the university, but we talked about the concern uh, headed in uh, to this spring. And certainly, uh, you know, it, 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 what we're afraid of has come to fruition. Now, again, let's all preface this by saying two starters are out with injuries uh, and two backups as well. Nick Saban, uh, from what I was told, uh, he, he uh, did address that, uh, you know, yesterday. He said, you know, we've got 10 guys, we've got four missing. But <laughs> I think we also know that there's going to be some additions likely from the transfer portal. Tyler Steen from Vanderbilt. I still expect the next few days for him to choose Alabama, and he will be squarely in the mix, in my opinion, at the left tackle spot.
1: Yeah, I, I really don't, you know, have any information, Drew, on what the holdup um, is with, with Steam, you know, going ahead and pulling the trigger. But, you know, based on some stuff that, uh, you know, I've seen develop this spring, um, You know, I I certainly hope he does pull the trigger for the good guys and and can, you know, provide some stability to the left tackle position. Um, You you know, I wish, you know, a guy like maybe Tyler Booker was a year into his tenure at Alabama and, you know, maybe he could be the right tackle and, uh, you know, slide J.C. Latham out there to left because I think at least of the guys that are on campus – Um, he's probably the most viable option out there, but, you know, after spending, um, you know, last season working at right guard, although he did get, you know, reps at at offensive tackle in the spring and through fall camp, you know, we just never, you know, heard or saw a lot of him until, um, you know, he had to come in in uh, the Cincinnati game and and played quite well at at right guard. But, um, you know, I, I think that, it's safe to say right now you know especially at the offensive tackle position you know I wouldn't really call them you know mis-evaluations but you know there's some guys that you know if they ever do pan out um, they're not ready to go right now and uh, you know it's going to be a you know a a, you know once the A-Day game is over with and you get into the you know the summer months prior to fall camp I think you're going to see you know, a lot of Alabama fans scratching their head trying to figure out why one guy by the name of Tommy Brockemeyer is not even close to being ready to go.
0: Yeah, I mean, and uh, from what I understand, he was with the threes yesterday. Uh, He's still got some strides, I think, to make physically, uh, you know, he he was hurt, as we said, as a junior in high school this whole year, and then hurt when he got here, and you've already made the point too, and a lot of people haven't talked about that, but he played against very poor a poor level of competition in high school, but he's had a you know just tremendous jump uh, to get ready to play you know winning football in the SEC. Uh, and from what we understand, again the ones yesterday, uh, you know, six-year senior Kendall Randolph at left tackle, uh, and then and then you go to uh, the left guard, of course, is Davian Cohen, center, Seth McLaughlin. Right guard was Damian George due to the via injury of Emil Echior. and then the right tackle was J.C. Latham, and I can confirm what we've heard that uh, you know he's J.C. has made a lot of strides physically. Uh, I didn't hear a lot of negativeness about him, even though they gave up a lot of sacks. I still think most of the struggles were from the left side, and then the twos: Amari Tight was at left tackle, T.J. Ferguson left guard, uh, the center was Tanner Bowles, uh, and then the right guard. Uh, you know, you already talked. You talked about Tyler Booker, who was the uh, the the, uh, the uh, right tackle, the right guard was Jaden Roberts uh, from Houston, who's a massive young man. So those were the two. The three were a mixture of. You talked about Tommy Brockermeyer. There was also, you know, walk-ons like Jackson Roby at center. So really, it's in the with the third group, it was a mixture of guys. But the, you know, where, where all the reps are going to come from, our first and second teamers. But again, Milacki or not there, Darian Dowcourt not there, and then if you add Tyler Steen to the mix, and well, and what I'm interested in, William, is I've also heard Nick Saban reference that they needed to add a couple more pieces. I wonder, uh, you know, if that's going to be possible, or if that's counting Tyler Steen, or if they're going to add two more besides Steen. Because I wonder, you know, when Nick Saban takes a long look at this after next week if they decide that they want to take another offensive tackle uh, to add more talent to the mix and also another wide receiver, because wide receiver group, the report, the reports we're getting, uh, of course, I'm not surprised by this. Jermaine Burton had uh, really two of the touchdowns and, and played very well, had as many as seven catches. And then, you know, I think the young guys, uh, you know, did a little bit, maybe not, I don't think that Aaron Anderson and, and, uh, and, and Kendrick Law made as many plays this week, but I still think they're going to be involved in it. Treshawn Holden uh, was, his, was a, you know a, a guy that moved the chains, was a possession guy. Didn't hear too much from Ty Jones-Bell. Uh, he may have had a catch or two, but in uh, the same way with Christian Leary. Uh, but what it kind of told me is the disappointment was JoJo Earl. From what I understand, he had two horrendous drops. They would have been big plays. I'm thinking, you know, William, much like they did last year at the end of spring with Jamison Williams, that they might need to add a second uh, transfer portal wide receiver potentially to give them some big playability. What What have you heard?
1: Yeah, that was uh, – um, which, which I don't discount what you're saying about maybe trying to go out there and, you know, find another portal option at tackle. But the, the feedback that I got yesterday was they probably do need to go out and try and find one more transfer option at wide receiver. Right. And I was also told they may want to look for a transfer portal
0: tight end because if Cameron Law two goes down, we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. And I, But I will say this about the tight end spot. Remember, I know he'll only be a freshman, but I, I've been told that Nick Saban is supremely high on this kid. Amari Dye Black will be there in May, so he may give them another added dimension as a flex guy, but I agree with you. And you got to also understand at tight end, Kendall Randolph has not practiced there at all. Everything in practice for him this spring has been giving him a shot to win an offensive tackle spot, which I don't anticipate happening. We do know he's a good blocking tight end, so if you add him to the mix, that helps you. And then – with Amari Nye Black showing up, you may be okay at the tight end spot. So we'll have to see. But to me, I, I do think I agree with you on the wide receiver. Uh, as I said, I, from what I'm hearing, I think they might need another one. Uh, we've talked about Keyshawn Butte. He would have to, you know, I, I apply for a waiver from the SEC. We'll see if that's possible. Offensive tackle wise, it was interesting. Former five-star Amarius Mims goes into the transfer portal. He was at Georgia but I was hearing Mario Cristobal in Miami last night, so he would also have to apply for a waiver to transfer from Georgia to Alabama. So I'm sure the Crimson Tide are gonna, uh, and make staff and South Sanceri are going to be keeping a close look on the transfer portal for another OT, but I still have some confidence uh, that J.C. Latham could still do the job on the right side, but they definitely need some help on the left, and I've got to believe Tyler Steen will be that guy because... They need his, I, you know, I, I had a great friend in the media call me yesterday and he said, well, can you believe we may be having to stoop to Vanderbilt to help us? And look, <laughs> I don't, I don't. And William, I, I, you probably would agree with me on this. I told him I said, I don't look at it like that. I look at it that the guy has started 30 games in the SEC, both on the right and the left side at OT. I look at it that he's from St. Thomas Aquinas high school, a really good high school program. And that, you can be a good player on a bad football team. And so that's the way I look at it. And I think that's why Steen has gotten, you know, a, a lot of interest nationally in, for him to transfer.
1: Well, and, and look, you know, I wanted to see him last season against the best competition that I thought he would face. And you know, I watched him play every rep um, versus Georgia last year. Now, I don't know if – you know, the people that are listening remembered, you know, as to what happened in that Vanderbilt-Georgia game that was at it – was, it was at Vanderbilt, and it was, you know, 88 and out the gate before halftime. But, you know, he still had to go up against Nolan Smith and those good edge rushers that Georgia had last year. And, you know, I walked away from, from watching the film, and, you know, thinking that he held his own. And, you know, I also factored in what a train wreck Vanderbilt's offense was last year, um, that he probably didn't have, you know, a lot of high-level SEC-caliber players on that offensive line surrounding him. And, you know, it's, it's – you know, I, I've lived this, you know, 30-something years ago. You know, if you don't have comparable talent around you on the offensive line, you know, things can get ugly in a hurry. There's miscommunications. You know, if the guy next to you, you know, misses a combo block on a, on a, on a zone play, um, it can make both of you look bad even though it's not your fault. So, I mean, I factored all that stuff in to, you know, watching Tyler Steen play against Georgia last year. And, you know, I think that, you know, my, my honest and fair assessment was, you know, he, he didn't get his ass whipped. Um, you know, he held his own against Nolan Smith. I don't think he gave up a sack. Um, but, you know, there were some instances where the the left guard, you know, didn't exactly do a stellar job, and it made both of them look bad and stuff. So, you know, I, I think if, if if you plug him in at left tackle at Alabama, you know, next to a guy that's, you know, had a pretty solid first year as a starter, you know, in Javion on Cohen yep. – um, you know he, he would probably be the you know the quick fix to solidify this thing um but but you know i think certainly based on everything that i've i've heard about yesterday um and and there again i mean you got to understand even though you know they did have limited work and i really like the the design um you know that i was told that they were experimenting with yesterday where they had Anderson you know, at one rabbit and, and Dallas Turner at the other, and they stood Chris Braswell up basically in the middle next to Henry Toa Toa and blitzed him up the middle. You know, that's when you start cooking with grease. Um, and, and I do think you know, the key um, between now and the end of August is identifying and finding a guy. And he doesn't have to be a Quentin Williams. You know, he doesn't have to be a Christian Barmore. He probably doesn't even have to be a Fidarian Mathis. But just finding one interior pass rusher, you know, at the defensive tackle position that will at least scare, you know, the opposing OC into double teaming Anderson, you know, or – Dallas Turner on the outside and, and making those things stay one on one matchups, which you know we all know Anderson and Turner can win those matchups more times than not. But if they can just find one interior defensive lineman that can put some pressure on on collapsing the pocket from the inside and not you know where the quarterback just can't step up you know a yard or two yards in the pocket to avoid Turner
0: and Anderson,
1: um, that that could potentially be devastating if that
0: person will emerge. Yeah. And I mean, the thing that excites me, and, you know, and I've been assured, you know, that this is not an exaggeration, is that Braswell, who I've always been high on, William, I, I was actually surprised he didn't play more last year uh, when Drew Sanders, you know, got his opportunity. I thought Braswell might even be the option before Sanders, but Sanders beat him out and then uh but braswell i think has always been productive he had five sacks and of course sacks are you know just touching the quarterback in this case but he was he was extremely disruptive and when you think and and, you know dick saban uh you know is quoted as saying you know with 41 31 and of course uh you know 15 they he's like they're hard to block and then he's like and also henry teletola is not bad at rushing either this pass rush as long as this defensive line keeps you know developing and i think it's well on the way to doing that This defense may not have a just glaring weakness you know and maybe the best pass rush group nick saban's ever had
1: well i, I certainly think the potential is there for it and uh You know, from what I was told about yesterday, I mean, you know, if they didn't, you know, keep Anderson on the sideline and and probably even, you know, Dallas Turner as well, um, you know, when they went best on best, um, you know, you you basically couldn't even execute the offense. And, you know, then when you factor that in, um, you know, I I know Seth McLaughlin had several uh, misfired shotgun snaps that took Bryce – um, you're know, out of his rhythm and, uh, you know, the, the drops by the wide receivers. And there again, you know, you, you really, you know, when you, when you start talking about spring football practice, whether it's 1978 or
0: 2022, you know, you want your defense to be ahead of your offense or you're in trouble. Yeah, you do. It, that's usually the way it is, the defense being ahead of the offense. No question about that. And speaking of the defense, uh, you know, there were several interceptions in said scrimmage. Uh, the, uh, you mentioned it. Bryce Young struggled yesterday for the most part, uh, mostly due to the protection. He did miss, from what I understand, on the first series. Uh, when you look at uh, uh, a guy that we said had a couple of drops, had a you know didn't have his best scrimmage in JoJo Earl. I mean, he he, uh, he had a couple of just big time drops from what I understand, uh, you know, but he was wide open in the end zone on the first series and Bryce overthrew him. But again, a lot of that has to do with the protections uh, and the offensive line. But none of the three quarterbacks stood out. Uh, you know, Bryce threw a pick six to Brian Branch. And I was told this was the play of the scrimmage. This was later in the scrimmage, but it was a deflection. Up in the air, he leaped and deflected it, ran under it like a punt and ran it back 40 yards for a touchdown. And then uh, also on Ty Simpson, you know, Brian Lanier, a walk-on DB, had a great diving interception on him. But the one that struggled the most, and I know Coach Saban's been complimentary of his spring practice, but he did struggle yesterday from what I understand, and that's, you know, Jalen Miller. He threw four interceptions. uh, A couple of them were pick sixes. Uh, to Wes, Robinson and Christian Story and of the backups William not the starters and I consider even Malachi Moore a starter you know I just mentioned Brian Branch but of the true backup BBs Christian Story had the best game he had two picks nearly a third and I think he's a good football player William I just think he's behind some guys that are going to have to either move on early to the NFL or graduate when they do he will be a really good player but That that just shows you the depth of this Alabama defense. I think this defense is a really deep group, a lot of talent. You know, Kool Aid McKinstry, Kyrie Jackson got most of the action at the corner spots. They're taking it easy uh, with uh, with of course with uh, the transfer from LSU, Elijah Ricks. He's recovering from shoulder surgery, uh, so but he's going to be a definite factor in the fall. They're still letting him practice, but again, I just think it it speaks volumes now. Kyrie Jackson did get torched one time for about a 98 yard touchdown when they were working on taking their out of the ball from throwing the back of the end zone uh, for uh, to uh, from Bryce Young to Burton, so that was an unfortunate play for for Kyrie, but he's still out there getting better and competing. And again, as we talked about, Jermaine Burton, one of you know the best uh, you know uh, players on the field yesterday, and his transfer from Georgia has been kind of a seamless transition. And right now, with the transition in that wide receiver room from all the star power from the last five years really, counting the ride outs, you need someone to step forward and and so far he has, which is encouraging for Alabama. Yeah, and
1: that you know that's something else that you know filtered back to me, Drew is um you know just just how much you know Milrose struggled yesterday. Um, You know, I I, I got one text, you know, that said, which doesn't really surprise me, it would have been the same case last year if if Bryce had gone down with an injury. But, you know, that's what I was texted was, um, you know, if Bryce goes down, we're in trouble. You know, Milrow had, um, from what I was told, four interceptions on the record. And, you know, due to his insistence on throwing into double and triple coverage, there were two or three more potential interceptions, you know, that were dropped by the DBs. So, um, you, you know, I would hope that when spring practice concludes, um, you know, next Saturday, um, that, that you know maybe that Nick Saban and Bill O'Brien kind of find a role um, for Milrow, whether it's as a wildcat quarterback and you know, short yardage and goal lines, because I was told that he had a spectacular play yesterday um, when he decided to tuck it and run. And, you know, he looked like he was in, uh, you know, tech bowl mold and the rest of the defense was standing flat-footed. But, you know, I I think, um, you know, you might see, um, depending on the amount of reps that they give him, you know, you might see Ty Simpson go into fall camp and, and blow past Milrow um, as the backup in the same manner that, that Bryce Young did two years ago, uh, blowing past uh, uh, Paul Tyson and, and becoming Matt Jones' backup.
0: Yeah, I could see that too because, you know, I've, I heard that Ty Simpson flashed some athletic ability and the movement in the pocket made some nice throws, but again was running for his life a lot. So he's still just, uh, you know, trying to, uh, you know, get comfortable in the offense and comfortable with being a quarterback in the sec level. You've talked about it. William, he's, he's supposedly very conscientious, kind of like Mag Jones puts a lot of pressure on himself. So he's going to have to learn, you know, to deal with that. But, and I hate to say this, basically from what I was told, Milrow was very erratic. Now, he did throw two touchdowns. He threw a, a, a very nice ball in the, in the red zone for a touchdown from about 15, 16, 17 yards out uh, to one of those two touchdown catches for uh, you know, uh, uh, for uh, Jermaine Burton. And then he made a nice throw for a touchdown to Robbie Oates. But it's like you said, uh, he, he did not. He struggled throughout. His accuracy was not great. He's a tremendous athlete. He made a couple of explosive runs. I wish they would, you know, put a package in there for him to use his athletic ability, but I still don't think he's going to be a long-term quarterback. Matter of fact, uh, you know, from what the reports I was getting, I was texting with a good friend of both of ours. I'll, I'll leave his name out of the comment, but I did text him and I said, if this guy is Alabama's quarterback for, you know, a long stretch of time, you're going to need a, either a sedative or, or a drink. Because I was like, (laughs) because it's just, because you never know. I mean, he'll make a great throw and then he'll make three or four just horrendous decisions like you were talking about, throwing the ball into coverage. One of them I heard about, he scrambled to his right and he decided to throw back to his left into the end zone and it was a wounded duck that was intercepted by Jalen Moody. So, I mean, the decision making still not where it probably needs to be. And he's still developing, there's no doubt about it. But I just think when you look at it, you have a couple of good young players there, he and Ty Simpson. But you've got to keep Bryce Young healthy, no doubt about it. And the biggest thing you have to do uh, is uh, you know, uh, is shore up that offensive line, and that's going to be the biggest area for concern. I will say this, one, one thing I will say about the receiver room I, I, we are we're in agreement that they may have to add another piece, but I'm going to tell you what, Jameer Gibbs, from what I understand, did some really nice things at receiver and is going to be a weapon that you can put in the slot or that you can even put out wide, and he's going to be a factor going over the middle, making people miss. He just He's an outstanding receiver, and he also did some damage running it, even though, from what I'm told, William, the, the first team running back for the majority of the work was Trey Sanders, who continues to make a remarkable recovery from that serious car accident from a couple of years ago.
1: Yeah, no, that's that's exactly what I was told as well, Drew, is, um, you know, Trey looks to, you know, be back 100% physically. Um, he's got his speed back. He's got his confidence back. And, uh, you know, I heard a lot of the same stuff about Gibbs. Obviously, we you know, we've heard this from day one of spring practice. But but I guess, you know, if if you want to look at, you know, the glass being half full, um, I got a lot of positive reports about the true freshman running back, Jamari and Miller um, from Texas, um, that, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to compare them to either guy. But you know, supposedly he had some nice runs, and you know, had at least one catch, um, you know, where he extended the chains on, on a pass reception out of the backfield, and uh, you know, maybe maybe this cat's you know a little bit better than what he was rated by the recruiting experts.
0: Well, I thought he, I thought his film was better than four star. I thought it was five, William. To be honest with you, I'm not. I heard he had a short touchdown run. Was the only the only one to be able to score on the goal line because uh, the offensive line had a tough time blocking uh, Alabama's front seven. Tim Keenan made his presence felt. Got a sack during that 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 work and up the middle, and also had a big time uh, where, uh, you know play where he blew up the interior of the offensive line. I think he has a chance to be a good young defensive lineman. I uh, also heard some flashes from, once again, from J- Jaheim Otis, who's a true yes. freshman from Mississippi. He's And I, and from what I'm told, he's so wide. And, again, it's not like bad, bad weight. He still needs to get, you know, to, he needs to slim up to so he has better stamina. But he's as wide as the, guard, as the center and guard. I mean, he takes up so much space, and then he's got a quick first step. So I heard good things about him. And from what I understand, the first team D-line was D.J. Dale. Uh, uh, you know, of course, Justin Aboybee, who had a couple of nice plays in the backfield, including a big tackle for loss. And then uh, the third one was the guy we've been hearing about, Jamil Burroughs. Now, Tim Smith rotated in, and, you know, Byron Young is not practicing, but Jamil Burroughs seems to be earning the respect of the coaching staff. Uh, and the and the confidence because they need some guys to rotate in. So it sounds like they've got at least five defensive linemen that can start or can play with another couple of young guys like a you know a Tim Keenan who's a redshirt freshman and three freshmen Jaheem Otis, you know, pushing. So to me that's a good thing. It sounds like the defensive line is uh, evolving and getting better. And they've got a huge, you know, player to replace and uh, for Darian Mathis.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this is
0: the second Saturday in a row
1: that I've gotten reports on uh, Otis. Um, and, you know, again, I, I think this is, a, you know, a player that you have to put the, you know, the to-be-determined label on. Um, you know, got to reshape his body, got to lose weight, you know, showed up at, you know, over 400 pounds. Which you know we've seen this work out well for Alabama in the past. Um, You know one 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 guy named Danny Jesus Fluker, um, you know showed up over four hundred pounds. You know, spent a year. Terrence Cody as well. (laughs) Yep, yep. But I've heard real positive stuff about Otis um, for two Saturdays in a row. Um, Last Saturday, a uh, you know real commanding performance you know, in a goal-line short-yarded situation, uh, something similar yesterday, um, you know, where he kind of flashed and, and got things done. And, you know, it, it, you know if he's able to do it at 350, which is what I think he's at right now, you know, if he can get down to 330, um, you know, you might be looking at another Jordan Davis, um, you know, the guy from Georgia, because, um, you know, I, I think the guy's got, you know, close quarter, quick. Uh, you know, quick twitch, uh, speed. Um, you know, I, I think the I think he wants it. I mean, if you follow him on Twitter, um, you know he's documenting his weight loss, and and you know he's he's been I think the academic student of the week a couple times since he enrolled in school in January. So, you know, doing things the right way is important to this kid, and um, you know I'm certainly looking forward to see what he
0: contribute to the uh, 2022 team. Yeah, we certainly are, no doubt about that. And like we said, uh, the secondary looks very solid from what I was told. Uh, you know, uh, and and again, the starters were who you'd expect. It was DeMarco Helms, heard he was in a black jersey, um, you know, and then, at the, at, uh, and of course, uh, Jordan Battle at the safeties. Uh, and then they had, at times, both those guys, Brian Branch and uh, and Malachi Moore, in there, you know, in nickel and dime situations, uh, and then of course the corners. The th- they it were uh, Kyrie Jackson and and aid McHenry, uh, and uh, you know they rotated in uh, Elijah Rick, but they're again keeping his reps under control due to coming back from the injury. So, but again, that just shows you that that they are they they have a veteran group in the secondary now. Got a lot of experience last year, but guys like Christian Story making plays, exciting. Another player that's one to watch is Terry on Arnold. And right, they had seven on seven right before the scrimmage. He picked off Jalen Milrow. And then during the scrimmage, the first play, he picked off Bryce Young uh, and and then uh, had another big pass breakup, I believe, of Milrow uh, later in the uh, – late in the scrimmage uh, before they wrapped up. So Terry Arnold – making his presence felt he was playing corner. Uh, So, again, there's some good young talent over there. Devontae Smith uh, from Cincinnati has impressed some folks too, is in the mix trying to win that uh, dime job, but I still think that's a situation where the dime could easily be Brian Branch due to his physicality, his ability to play in the box and to rush uh, and blitz, and then also, if Malachi Moore can be healthy, he's a guy that's made plays in the past, so the secondary uh, seems to be in very strong shape as well, so I think they're good there. I don't think they'll be portal hunting. Uh, to me, uh, what William and I have already talked about it, but I think the areas of concern are offensive tackle, wide receiver, and if you could find a stud defensive lineman, you certainly would uh, not uh, you would you would think about adding that, or even a tight end. Though so I think if you find a wide receiver. With Amari and night Black coming in, uh, you know, I just I'm not sure that they'll uh, add a tight end. But I, especially if Kendall Randolph doesn't win a job on the O line, which I don't anticipate, and then he moves back to that original position, no question about it. But again, a lot of good things. And I'll say this: people may think Donald's freezing over, but from what I understand, William, I don't know what you heard. Now, it wasn't a J.K. Scott performance by any means. These weren't 60- or 70-yard punts. But from, from what I understand with James Burnup, he had one bad punt early, but the rest of them were pretty solid, including one that he kicked from the back of the end zone out to midfield and was directionally punted toward the sideline. From what I understand, his directional punting was much better. The hang time was better. And they, they were around 45-yard punts. Which would be a big improvement and much better than what we saw for the majority of last season. Well,
1: I got a text saying that Burnup sucks, so you know I don't know what to do with that.
0: Yeah, I mean I, like I say, I've seen I've seen both reported. Sometimes I think because he doesn't boom uh, 70 yard punts, because J.K. Scott was you know all American. I mean the guy averaged almost 50 yards. And got some of the most ungodly hang time we've ever seen. I don't think that Burnup will ever be that guy. But I don't I definitely it trust me, it, it wasn't our dude from South Carolina. Okay, it wasn't nearly that bad. I, where they're basically worm burners. That wasn't the case. So I take anything as progress. So hopefully what I heard is correct, but we'll see. But, again, I didn't think, uh, you know, from what I heard, that it was awful. And then the play was really good. And trust me, it was windy as hell. So, from what I understand, it was windy here in the Rocket City. So, uh, I, I, I was told that, uh, uh, you know, that Will Reichert was five for six with his only loss, only, excuse me, missed about eh, 45 yards and the wind kind of got a hold of it. And then Martin, Jack Martin from Troy, was two for two. So, it did look like the place gets rock solid as usual. I asked about punt return. I was told Kool-Aid McKinestry was first. Uh and then they most of the reps was Jermaine Burton. And then uh and then uh, they also gave JoJo Earl some reps. So it sounds like uh, you know, uh that the, that yeah, the, the special teams was pretty solid and punt return job will probably be decided in the fall, and also interestingly, Jameer Gibbs and Aaron Anderson, which doesn't surprise me, both were involved with kickoff returns.
1: Yeah, I mean, I haven't really gotten a lot of reports about the the special teams. I mean, obviously uh, you know, most Alabama fans feel, you know, real good about um, you know, Will from Hoover, um, you know, being the place kicker, but I mean, honestly, I thought that, you know, Burnup was kind of a liability last year. I mean, you, you really, you know, I'm not trying to compare him to J.K. Scott. I mean, I get that. But, you know, I thought Burnup was kind of a liability last year. And, you know, it seems to be carrying over into spring practice. And, you know, why doesn't Alabama have, you know, somebody better than him on campus, you know, because, you know, if, if you're at a school like Alabama, it doesn't matter if you're a left tackle, a quarterback, a center, um, an inside linebacker, it doesn't matter. You know, you've got somebody behind your ass that if you fail or fall down on your job, there's somebody sitting there waiting to take over that position. And, I, I mean, I wasn't blown away with Burnup last year.
2: Mm-hmm. So, right.
1: why doesn't Alabama have somebody on campus that can beat this freaking uh, Australian out? You know, if he can't do better than what he did last season or what he did yesterday, you
0: know where's that guy at? Yeah, that that, that it, that's uh, you know concerning if the uh, if the reports are correct that he struggled. Uh, you know, I would heard he was solid, so and that's going to be something to watch for a day as well because of course he'll probably handle the majority of the punting. I know Jack Martin could do it as well, the transfer from Troy. Uh, you know, but uh, we'll see. That's going to be another area to watch. And again, the return units will continue to hash themselves out uh, in the fall. They usually, they do a lot of experimentation with that. And so we'll see who ultimately is the kickoff guys and the punt returner. The kickoff guys, Jameer Gibbs on kickoffs is very intriguing with his quickness and speed and that combination you see. Uh, and also I uh, and uh, Aaron Anderson as well. Aaron Anderson was an unbelievable returner to Edna Carr in New Orleans. So looking forward uh, to uh hearing if he is going to maybe push for one of those jobs. I know we haven't heard from him since we started our show and we're well underway but Thomas uh I what what if I know we'll bring you in and give some of your thoughts about what you've heard us uh talk about buzzwise and if what you have heard uh since uh the the uh Saturday scrimmage yesterday.
2: Well, I, I heard a lot of what you guys have heard. The defense is ahead of the offense. The defense looks like a fairly well-rounded group. There's strength everywhere. And that's to be expected. Uh, that's what you want. Uh, I'm going to quote one William Redfish Barger with, you know, this is not where offensive linemen are necessarily in game shape, unless that has changed with strength and conditioning. That was always the uh, always the reality. And no has that changed or is that the same i'm sorry no it's still the same okay thank you so so alabama being cons- being weaker on the offensive line which ignore the two starters or the two probable starters that are not in the rotation right now makes sense now that's not a you know a complete defense but it is a situation where there are some excuses if we're having this conversation you know August, yeah, be concerned. But right now, I still, nothing I've heard has dissuaded me from my personal belief that Alabama should be the odds-on-favorite to win the national championship, barring injury, of course. You know, injury is the the ultimate, you know, we have to think about. But barring that, Alabama looks the best. Yes, there are some things that you would want to get better, of course. There's always, you can't what's what's better than one steak dinner too so there is stuff stuff like that but just overall the defense looks great I think that that triple rabbit package thing if that comes to fruition against particularly a quarterback that's struggling to read a defense properly that's a death knell I mean that's a that's a Connor cook or whoever it was they're freaking everywhere kind of mental game so I, I don't I, I I don't have any complaints here. And I know I say this every year, but I'm going to say it so that fans understand it. A lot of these scrimmages are very scripted as in, it's not just the first team offense gets the ball and tries to score on the second team defense. It's not like a day. There will be some time where the first team offense wants to see if they can drive the ball. Second team offense, third team offense, et cetera. There'll also be situational football, with clock kill, two-minute, four-minute, get-off-the-goal-line type stuff, red zone stuff. So it's not even like you're sitting here and you're doing what would be considered game prep because players are coming in and out. The coaches are taking a look at a variety of things. So it doesn't even mean if your favorite guy is struggling. Okay, so they struggled one time in a weird situation and not a one-off, but not a true game situation that happens. So overall I've heard pretty much the same thing and nothing I've heard is very alarming to me, Drew.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think there's some areas of concern, especially on the offensive line. Uh, Certainly uh, you want to, you want the receiver core to continue to, uh, you know, evolve. But remember, your Brooks has not practiced at all. He's got a low, lower leg injury. He's on a scooter, so he will not be back until the fall, and he's someone Bryce has been very, very comfortable with, especially later in the season. Uh, you know, he was able to get uh, you know down the field, make some plays, uh, be a possession-type guy as well. He'll be back, and then you'll have, yes, Preston coming in, Kobe Prentice uh, certainly, uh, and, and, and uh, you know, you, you'll have, uh, you know, some uh, big time and, and, a, and a guy like Amari Nye Black, who could be a huge factor uh, as kind of a flex tight end and H back. So there is some talent coming in. And Isaiah Bond. Don't want to forget Isaiah Bond, the speedster from Buford, Georgia. He may be the speed guy that they need. Now, again, Aaron Anderson has some of that same stuff. But again, these guys are freshmen. They have to you know catch on really quickly. That's the only reason I've mentioned maybe adding another receiver in the transfer portal that is more experienced that it's already been on this stage. But again, but you have to find the right fit, and so uh, certainly a Keyshawn Butte would fit that. But he'd have to get a waiver, and again, not sure if that's going to happen. So he may stay at LSU, and if he does, then it'll be interesting to see what Alabama uh, what transpires. I, if you had to ask me though, I would almost want to invest in another offensive tackle, assuming you also get Tyler Steen, because the most important player is Bryce Young, and if you can't protect him, you're going nowhere anyway. And I think that those freshman receivers by midseason can get comfortable and become playmakers and really improve. And obviously, Coleman Wiggins is doing something right coaching and also recruiting, William, because I'm sure you saw this. The the uh, coaching salaries for Alabama were released, and Holman Wiggins goes from five hundred and fifty thousand to eight hundred and fifty thousand. So you know, Notre Dame and some other schools were trying to poach him. They weren't able to do that. Nick Saban making him associate head coach and then bumping him up three hundred grand. Obviously, he has been pleased with Holman Wiggins as a coach and recruiter. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think he. Uh... You know, counts on Holman Wiggins to be like his right-hand guy, um, you know, much in the same breath that, you know, Jeremy Pruitt was, the way Kirby Smart was. I mean, maybe even, you know, during the, the, the 2007 level, um, Lance Thompson was. That might be a stretch on my part, but... I, you know, I think that you know him. Him doing that is, um, he he he, he resides on this guy to be a good soldier, mm-hmm. and you know that that's what we gotta we gotta do.
0: Yeah, there's no doubt. He's uh, uh Colman's done his job. He's been there, uh, you know, I think three years now and done a very solid job with the wide receivers. I know Jameson Williams is very uh, high on him. And again, uh, he came over from Virginia Tech and has been very, very solid since he got there. Uh, and now we're going to, uh, you know, continue to uh, monitor everything till 8 8. And the one good thing, too, I think I have not seen or heard any buzz of any injuries in the, in, in the scrimmage yesterday. So everyone should be available for practice this week and then hopefully on A-Day uh, next Saturday, which will only be on SEC Network Plus. It will not be, uh, I guess, what you could say on one of the main ESPNs. So uh, if you want to see it now, I, th- I still think the I, I, one of the biggest laughs I got this weekend, William, was uh, Texas A&M had their spring game, which uh, was another NIL fest, I'm sure, But one of their players said it was quite the uh, spectacle to see 30,000 people for a spring game. I guess he forgot since Nick Saban got there, Alabama routinely has drawn twice that, if not 90,000. So I thought it was pretty funny that A&M was getting credit for having 30,000 for a spring game. And I joked with a good friend of ours that maybe the 30,000 he was joking about or talking about was the NIL money that he got paid on his trip down there.
2: We lost William. Sorry, Drew. I just happened it's a, it's to look a, up. Yeah, yeah it's. Uh, I, I, I can answer the point though. Um, and, and actually, it's worth talking about the Texas A&M thing just a little bit. That's right. going to be the grand experiment. Uh, there's, there should be a ton of hype around Texas A&M just because of the whole, uh, number one recruiting class. You know that they're going, they're going to get pub for that, and that's fine. Like, go right ahead, do your thing, but. Ah, thirty thousand. When you're supposed to be the team that just beat Alabama and just signed a better class than Alabama, and all that—that's that's a little eye opening. And we shall see. Uh, I can tell you that I will not be attending many games, but I will give my left arm to be in the stadium for the uh, Alabama v. Uh, Texas A&M game. That will be yeah. a thing <laughs> for sure. Yeah, um, and, and but we'll see. Uh, I I do expect next weekend that there will be fifty or sixty thousand, uh, weather permitting. I think this might be a weird one though, just because it is Easter weekend. Which talk about a screw up, good lord! But uh, yeah, I I think this it'll be well attended, and there will be plenty of stuff to get excited about. Like I'm not again. I am not at all concerned about how all of this seems to be playing out. And I don't have – I really am not concerned. Like, yeah, I think there are some there are some pieces that need to get potentially filled in. But show me a team over the past – oh, I don't know. The uh, past 10 years that came in and it was like, oh, they're going to be just far, 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 far far and away better than everyone else that has no holes. So I, I just find myself not that concerned drew.
0: Well, I mean, I, again, I
2: do think Alabama's got most of the answers that they need. If they
0: get Tyler Steen in here, I think it's going to be a situation where he can be a plug and play guy at left tackle and it will help the rest of the O line. Um, whether they have one scholarship or two after that, certainly Nick Saban is going to try to maximize it and find players that fit his system, uh, no question about it. And I still think Alabama is uh, going to have the best team in college football on paper going into next season, and I'm excited to see it. Um, I still think Eric Wolford is going to figure things out up front. I think when you get Emile or back, you get – Darian Dalcourt back. If you get Tyler Steen in here, that's going to really help the situation. You'll have uh, Kendall Randolph back, this more comfortable position uh, of blocking tight end. Uh, you know, and I think you know, you'll know you have uh, Seth McLaughlin who can push Dalcourt. That'll be a great battle at center. And speaking of centers, I had to get a chuckle out of this. I don't know if you saw this today, Thomas, but uh, Clay Webb uh, from Oxford High School in Alabama who – of course, uh, created a ton of headlines when he was the supposed number one center in America about three years ago. And he would pick Georgia over Alabama. And yet I don't think he's played uh, nearly a snap as a starter. You know, I know he hasn't in the SEC uh, entered the transfer portal. My guess is he needs to go play for my good friend John Summerall at Troy uh, because this guy has not proven to be SEC caliber. And Mike Loxley was right when he said to take Darian Dalcourt over. And Darian, of course, has not been a great player at Alabama, but he's certainly taken a lot of snaps and started games, unlike Clay Webb. But I thought it was funny, Amarius Mims, and looks like he's on the move, and Clay Webb as well from that Georgia offensive line room, even though neither one of them were going to be starters. And Amarius Mims, I know some Alabama fans wanted him out of high school. He's a five-star uh, I don't think he's going to come to Alabama. Though. I think it's probably going to be Mario Cristobal in Miami is the name that I've heard. He would have to get a waiver uh, in the SEC. And by the way, this rule Greg Sankey put in, Greg Sankey's done a lot of great things. I don't really understand this rule of already, uh, you know, having a deadline for SEC interconference transfers. To me, if a kid wants to transfer, you should let him go where he wants to go, and there shouldn't be a, a stop put on it. I know. I guess he's wanting to st- – To uh to you know quell tampering, but we all know that's going to go on anyway, Thomas.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. That is that is a that 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 horse is out the barn, and now you're trying to shut the gate after it. Honestly, I think it's one of it to me. That rule strikes me as one that looks really good on paper and gives you that feeling of moral superiority that you love to have. But the first time that it screws one of your high-end football teams is the last time that rule will be on the books. It just doesn't make any sense. I, I would be interested to know, because if you remember, the whole um, coaches blocking players from transferring thing was blown up by Maury Smith raising hell wanting to go from Alabama to Georgia when Kirby tampered with him. I would be interested to know if something similar might happen. Uh, we do know that coaches have been blocked from being hired in the past just because they had some uh, some some dirt. They had they had done they had been bad people, such as it is. But I don't know if that will fly when the rubber meets the road. Overall, I I, I look at that very similar to the first person that that gets blocked transferring. There's going to be this whole. They're, they're, they're young people. They're student athletes. They're not, they're not adults, yada, yada, yada. Whatever the excuses that backed up NIL will be trotted out again. And this rule will go the way of the dodo. So for me personally, I'm not worried about it. I do think I want to get, I want to touch on one more thing Then we probably need to get on out of here. But, uh, I had some fans ask me about a Jai Hall. And one of the things that came out about a Jai Hall who, put his name in the transfer portal after a rather turbulent week. Oh, we hate to lose him. And I told those fans, I'm just like, why? Because Ajai Hall is, I think, I've been on record saying, I think he is the best pure wide receiver on the team. I think he is a very special talent. But the things it takes to get that talent out there, to get that talent in the rotation it's not just showing up and making a circus catch at A-Day. It's how you handle yourself in meetings, how you handle yourself in tutoring. I mean, I can tell you with a straight face, I tutored C.J. Mosley when he was a freshman, and I was still at, I was an undergrad at Alabama. That kid had success written all over him from the jump because he was tutoring kids before I could even get to him. And I would, you know, I would eat my own shoe before I would believe a Jai Hall did anything like that. And and what's the point of what I'm saying? The point of what I'm saying is that sort of push to excellence is something you can't just turn off and on. It's not a light switch as much as people want to believe it is. And the thing that you lost <coughs> is the ideal case of a Jai Hall. That ideal case was never going to happen. Because if a Jai Hall, let's say... Let's just say that Ajai makes that crazy catch that it was a tough catch uh, against Georgia on that third and 13 after everyone's favorite uh, tight end that is now at Texas just absolutely uh. blew a block. Yeah, um, Oh, sidebar briefly. <coughs> I'm going to introduce the term "jaleeling" into the lexicon for this <laughs> upcoming season. It's for when an Alabama player does something that's so insanely stupid that uh, – it deserves its own, um, it deserves its own adjective. But anyway, um, if he had made that catch, that doesn't guarantee that he turns into another Devontae Smith. I would actually argue, given what we've seen, it would have made his exit and his fall from grace even further, even, fa- even higher. He would have been much higher and he would have fallen much lower. There's something that's not right there. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. But... The guy has consistently done, from where I'm standing, virtually everything wrong, thinking he's done everything right. And that isn't something that you just magically change. Uh, and at this point, the proof is in the pudding, Drew. It
0: really is, and that's well said. You know, And the story is true. There was an incident with the Jai Hall with uh, some weed in his room, and also his he was roommates with Tommy Brockermeyer. Uh, there was a confrontation. Uh, it was quickly handled, though. There were some threats by Jai Hall, but he is—I would say—you get to long gone now. You won't have to worry about it. It's addition by subtraction. Uh, he just never bought in. Great, and I agree with you on his talent. I think he's an NFL talent, but he just—you know—he—he—he he, he just doesn't have the maturity needed to succeed in Nick Saban's program. And and again, I'll just say, based upon scrimmage intel and what we know. Uh, that at Alabama, I think they, I, I heard good things about Jalen Moody, Deontay Lawson at the will linebacker spot. I think that they need uh, the D line to continue to come along, but I think they have, you know, a good enough group. They just need some, you know, the offensive tackle spot. They need some, uh, some, uh, some help from Tyler Steen and potentially maybe another player. Uh, and I think they might need another wide receiver but other than that, I think Alabama does have the talent. I think the tight end position, if you move, uh, you know, Kendall Randolph back there permanently, which I anticipate, and Amari Nye Black is the real deal. I think they have those answers. So to me, it's just a matter of a couple spots, a couple of play- pieces on offense uh, from being a very, very, very special football team. And again, <laughs> I'm going to rely on my report of Burnup. I think he was solid. Uh, and he's not JK. Scott, and that's what and in a way, that's a bad thing. People want the guy to be JK. Scott. He's not. I think he can be a solid punter in the uh, SEC. And then we know Will Reichert is really good. <clears throat> and Alabama is very fortunate to have him. So looking forward uh, to A day, and we'll wrap that up in the next week. I did want to say really quickly, huge addition to Alabama basketball. Uh, and he will be on his visit uh, this coming weekend for A-Day, and that is, of course, Mark Sears. We had him on Talking Ball this week. First radio interview for Mark on uh, Monday when he committed, uh, and uh, it was, or excuse me, Friday, I'm sorry, when he committed. Uh, And Mark, uh, you know, is an outstanding young man. I saw him play from eighth grade on at Muscle Shoals High School. Then he transferred to Hargrave Military Academy his senior year, and then put two really good years, freshman All-Mac, and then, uh, All-MAC performance, almost 20 points per game at, at Ohio University, the Bobcats this year. Outstanding player. I think he's going to play the one for Alabama. Have, it's three years of eligibility remaining due to COVID as well, uh, so that's very exciting. Uh, I think Jaden Bradley's going to play off the ball. I think Damari Burnett will be the wing. Brandon Miller, the McDonald's All-American, the forward, and then Charles Bidiako the sophomore, potentially your man in the middle, so Uh, I was disappointed to see Jawan Gary move on into the portal, but again, I think it's one of those things Alabama feels like they can upgrade. Uh, They're going to try to get Jalen Bridges on a visit. He is going to visit from he's transferred from West Virginia with Mark Sears this weekend. So could Alabama get another big piece? I was told he's the next priority. So we will monitor Jalen Bridges. And then also it's been a great weekend for Alabama baseball and softball. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I was distraught. I thought this baseball program was, you know, in big trouble. You know, they've, they've, they've uh, responded well. Uh, you know, they, got, they had that the series against Mississippi State in Starkville where they should have swept. They lost two out of three because they blew ninth inning leads uh, in the uh, Friday and Saturday games. But they came back and went on Sunday. And since that time, uh, they have been a hot team. They've won now six in a row. They swept Ole Miss in baseball. Uh, you know, uh, this for the first time, I think it's the first series win in Oxford since 2011 for Alabama. So it's huge for Brad Bohannon and that squad. Uh, first time I think they've swept on this since 2014 at home. But again, a huge series win for Alabama a sweep. And then the softball program, right before we came on, uh, they ended up winning in extra innings and nine innings, two to one in Gainesville, Florida. So they have taken the first two games of that series, eight, three and two to one. And so Skylar Wallace, who transferred from the University of Alabama, uh, has taken two ass whippings, which I have been very happy to see because she left uh, as a good player for the uh, program, really good hitter, but did not want to become a utility player, thought she was a shortstop. And Alabama had some better defensive options there and she would not move. So she transferred. She's still a really good player but Alabama getting a couple of wins over her and Tim Walton, who I don't have a lot of uh, admiration for for Florida. So uh, Patrick Murphy and the young ladies, top five in the country, and now they're taking another road series, and they go for a sweep on Monday night in Gainesville, which would be huge for them to get. But, again, so it's been a great weekend for Alabama, no doubt, Uh, and we're going to have a lot more news for you next week with recruiting, Uh, Probably some Tyler Steen news and a day reaction for Thomas Watts for William Redfish Barger. I'm Drudy Armin. Good night, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this edition of BAMS radio and roll tide.